when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs, the speed, touchdown, Carr with another bomb. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. A lot to get to this week here on the show. The Raiders got back to their winning ways in week six. Got a convincing division win on the road in Denver in the face of adversity. And congratulations, Coach Basashi, on his first win ever as a head coach. He and his staff had the team prepared. They were focused despite all of the distractions they had to deal with throughout the week. And I think that it was the most complete performance we have seen from this team all season long. I think you all will agree with me on that. Again, welcome to the Week 7 edition of Just Pod Baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. Thanks for joining me. Go out there and give me a follow on Twitter at egrope 5 Also, follow Vegas Sports Today on Twitter. That's at Vegas Sports Today with the number two. And of course, Just Pod Baby is powered by VegasSportsToday.com. I also want to mention my website dedicated to the podcast, JustPodBaby.com. Check it out for me. Let me know what you think and feel free to reach out to me with uh, questions that you may have or comments. Uh, things that you want to hear discussed on the show, guests you want to hear from, send me a message over at the contact page or by simply sending me a DM on Twitter. And finally, make sure you're a subscriber to the show. And if you could, please leave me a positive review and a rating. They they really help out a lot, and I, I would greatly appreciate that. The rundown for this week, I know uh, we are a few days removed from the win last week, but I do want to kind of recap and touch on a few of my takeaways from the game, specifically the play of the defense and I want to discuss the budding relationship between Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs in year two. You love to see it. And in segment two, we will look ahead to the Eagles. I want to start to preview that game a bit. Um, I've spent some time going back and, and watch uh, some of their past games this season. And I'm also really excited about our guest this week. We're going to chat with NFL insider Adam Kaplan, his second appearance on the show. He did come on with me last year. Adam can be heard on Sirius XM NFL Radio, as well as Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Channel, and he is the host of his own podcast, Inside the Bird. So he is all over the place, and he's uh, has a really good pulse on the league. So we're gonna we're gonna hear from him in a little bit. Really excited about that conversation. But like I said, let's start with the win in Denver. It was a heck of a game for for Las Vegas, and, and when I say a heck of a game, I'm talking about the coaching staff and the players and their ability to block out all of the distractions in the face of adversity. Uh, they were able to go out there on the road in Mile High, which, which, which can be a, a tough place to win and, and play the most complete game of the season on both sides of the ball. They were led by their leader, uh, Derek Carr, who played another excellent game after a couple shaky games. Uh, but he got back on track in this one. Max Crosby was the leader for them on defense all over the place, making plays all over. He lit up the box score with six tackles, three sacks, a tackle for loss, a pass deflection, 12 quarterback pressures. Uh, Might have been, in my opinion, uh, his best game as a pro. Now, I, I do have to be honest. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade here, but 
honestly, I think Denver stinks. I mean, I, I think the three wins were a result of beating up on crappy teams. I talked about it last week with our guest, Troy Rink, who is a Broncos insider. Uh, they had been trending downward, uh, especially defensively in the previous two weeks against the Ravens and the and the Steelers. They were struggling to get off the field on third downs. Uh, you know, they, they, they've been without Jerry Judy and Cajun Hamler, two, two dynamic players for that offense. Teddy Bridgewater, he's nothing more than a game manager, game manager. Um, I, I don't think he'll ever lead the, a, a team to the playoffs. No, not a knock on Teddy. I just don't know if he's that good of a player. And, and then on top of all of that, Vic Fangio, I, I, I believe he might be, um, you know, one of the, the first, if not the first, maybe the second or our third coach who who will get fired this year. We see it every year. Coaches lose their job mid mid year. I'd put a lot of money on Vic Fangio right now, and um, I, I don't expect him to survive much longer. Uh, especially, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to go out on the line and call it right now. If 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 Denver loses to Cleveland this week, Cleveland is out. Uh, Baker Mayfield is out. They've got a couple of running backs who are out. If the Broncos do not win this game. Uh, there's going to be a lot of he, that. That hot seat is going to get really, really hot. So I'm going to say that right now. Um, kind of a, a kind of a mess right now in Denver. And you know, I'm not trying to take away from the accomplishment of the Raiders. I was very impressed with how they seem to have played so carefree, and and the execution was there. Uh, unlike the the week before, where there were a lot of mental mistakes. Um, but again, as far as the team they beat Denver, I'm not real impressed with that, but I am, uh, very satisfied and very impressed with how they were able to remain focused and play a a nice clean game. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit further about the defense for a few minutes here. And I have to tell you, they are exceeding really my wildest expectations, uh, for what I thought they could do this year. I'm really pleased with the way the group is performing. The Gus Bradley effect is real. It's legit. He deserves a lot of credit for the great things that are happening on that side of the ball. Statistically, uh, I'm going to throw some numbers at you this week. They rank 16th in points allowed, giving up 24 points a game. I would like to see that drop slightly. I'm getting greedy now, right? I'm getting a little greedy, but I I think I would feel a lot better if that number came down to 21, 22, just, just slightly. Uh, but they are middle of the road right now, and that's that's all we've asked for, right? All offseason long, we just were asking for a, a respectable, heck, offseason. We've been asking for this for years, right? Uh, but all we wanted was a respectable middle-of-the-pack defense, and I think that's what they have right now. Um, defending the pass, they've been very good, allowing only 222 yards passing a game. And you know what? In today's NFL, with, with the amount of passing that is going on and and the offenses that are, are ran and, and how the rules are kind of set up to favor the offense a bit. I think that's a really, really good number there. Something to be very proud of. The run defense, that needs to improve. Got to show some improvement there. 25th in the NFL right now. Uh, 130 yards plus a game. That's an area they need to clean up for sure. Another strength of this defense has been on third downs. They've been able to get off the field at a high percentage. They are only allowing teams to convert at a clip of 35% of the time on third down right now. And that's that's part of being a good defense, getting off the field, getting the ball back to that offense. And that's what we're seeing right now. So you hope that that type of stuff continues. But I have to tell you, it all starts up front with this defensive line. It is all about that front four. And uh, they've been excellent. And, and you know, uh, they dominated the game against Denver. It was clear. Uh, they were all over Bridgewater. And it was a major factor in the game. And and as you know, 
and I got to give this group credit. I, I and I got to give Mayak credit or whoever it was that brought these players and maybe it was Gruden. I don't you know I don't know who had final say, but you know as you know I was unsure about some of the guys that were brought in in the off season. Uh, if you listen to me every week, you know I was not sold on Phylon. I wasn't. I thought, you know, being out of the game for a couple of years, what, you know, how is he going to come back? He's been good. He's been hurt, but he's been good when he's been out there. And I certainly didn't believe in Solomon Thomas. Um, I, I thought, you know, uh, after what we saw from him in San Francisco, I just was not seeing it. And he's proved me wrong. He's He's been He's been very good. He's been a difference maker, and he continues to make plays here and there. He had the force fumble last week, and, and so he's been a great rotational piece for this defense. Quentin Jefferson I liked. I thought he was a solid upgrade. Uh, but, the, but the group has been, really, it's been as good as advertised. We heard a lot about the depth that they had, and it's it's shown up. You know, they, even, they even brought in Damian Square last week, threw him into the mix, and, and he delivered with a sack as well. So, um, you know, it, it's just all clicking right now, and I can't forget to mention... Uh, the, the other part of this D-line that I was focusing more so on the interior, but you got those edge rushers, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe off the edges. They have been as good of a combo as there is in the entire league right now. So it's it's really looking good um, on the defensive line. And then really looking at the defensive as a whole, um, they're checking off all of the boxes. And I, and I talked about this on Twitter today. They're doing all the things that are necessary to affect games, you know. Um, it's not as if they're the 85 Bears defense, you know, where, you know, or, or, or the 2000 uh, Ravens defense. You know, they're giving out 24 points a game, but they're doing a lot of other things that are still um, having an impact. Pass rush is one of them. According to Pro Football Focus, they rank number one in pressures generated in all of the NFL with 134. Of course, you know Max Crosby leads the NFL right now in that category, according to Pro Football Focus, 43 pressures. I mean, he's just he's just causing all kinds of havoc in these games. And not only are they generating the pressures, but they're getting home. They're getting home at a pretty good rate. Uh, they now have 16 sacks. They had only 21 all of last season. I mean, think about that. Uh, so they're well on their way to shattering that number. Uh, the 16 sacks ranks them seventh right now in the NFL. And how about the turnovers, right? That was another thing that I harped on a lot this year. We got to have, we got to see them uh, create more pressure. We got to see them create more turnovers. And and you know what? Remember the 2016, 2016 season when they were second in turnover differential right now? They are number seven right now, seven in the league with a plus four. So they're getting it done in that area as well. And then in addition to the front four, which I mentioned, you got to give props to the secondary as well. Um, and again, according to Pro Football Focus, the number two ranked team in coverage and the number one graded cover cornerback in the NFL Casey Hayward, one of the guys they brought in who was familiar with Gus Bradley's scheme. Speaking of guys who they brought in, Denzel Perryman, right? I mean, leads the NFL in tackles right now. Um, and I, I think many of us were more excited about the addition of, of K.J. Wright when they brought in the, the linebackers uh, just before the season. All of us thought K.J. Wright was going to be the one who makes the big impact, but it's been Denzel Perryman. He has been, he's been great. I mean, the guy's all over the place. He He's a big-time hitter. Um, just hope he can stay healthy because he's been a, a big-time player for this defense. So, as I said, it has all come together for the defense. The young players, they're developing. Jonathan Abram has found his role in this defense as the box safety. 
He is playing faster. He's playing smarter. Um, the rookies, Hobbs, we've heard a lot about him. He continues to just get better and better. Trayvon Moore got his first interception. They've been solid, making plays, and and just really have been a positive impact uh, on the defense. So, uh, again, if you had told me that after six games the Raiders' defense would have improved this much, I would have never believed it. And I don't think it's a fluke. I expect it to continue and maybe even get a little bit better. The final thing that I want to touch on before we get to a break is the development in year two of Henry Ruggs and the relationship and the chemistry between he and Derek Carr, as you know, because I talked about it so much last year, both on the podcast here and I tweeted about it constantly. I was talking about it on Raider Nation Radio when I would go on there with Vinny Bonsignor. But I was not happy with the usage of Henry Ruggs last year. And I tended to put more of the blame on Gruden for failing to do more to get Ruggs involved. And I know all of the different reasons that were out there for uh, Ruggs not maybe developing as much as they would have liked in year one. I'm aware of all that. And I don't really want to rehash all that. But um, I tell you, what a difference a year makes. I mean, he is off to a great start. And I think the number one thing is that he's playing what seems like, it seems like he's just playing with so much more confidence. And there's a lot of reasons for that. He put the weight on, he put the strength on. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure from a mental side of things, he just, he's feeling a lot better about himself. Um, he had the time in the offseason to work with Carr. Um, he talked about it this week in his press conference. It all started in the summer, just getting the work in, getting the reps in. And then the second part, or the third part of that would be that, you know, Derek Carr is now believing in him and delivering the ball to him and Ruggs is coming up and, and, and making those plays. So it's great to see. And it was never about talent with Ruggs. I always felt it was just a lack of opportunity, but uh, that has not been the case this year. And here are the numbers. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you tonight, but uh, through six games, 20 receptions on 32 targets for 445 yards. That's 22.3 yards per reception, number one in the NFL. Number one in the NFL in that category. He's got the two touchdowns. Um, Now think about last year. In 13 games, he caught only 26 passes on 43 targets for 452 yards with two touchdowns. So in only six games, he has nearly exceeded his numbers from last year in 13 games. I mean that's 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 pretty remarkable and I and I said in the off season that I felt Rugs needed to get close to 900 yards. I believe it was like 850, you know, somewhere around there, 850 yards uh to consider it a, a a solid season. He should go over that. I, he is on track right now to go for 1000 yards. That would be that would be excellent. Uh those would be great numbers for him. Um, so, you know, he's been a difference maker and and you can see the chemistry that he and Carr have. It's just growing and growing each week. In fact, I mentioned that, uh, Ruggs met with the media. Well, so did Carr and they both spoke about the chemistry, uh, this week, um, when they met with the media. Let's first take a listen to Carr speaking about the trust that he has now in his young receivers. Yeah, I think it, it, uh, you have to have, uh, one time on task, right? Um, there's a certain level of trust you can build in practice that's one thing but you know playing football games is a completely another another thing you know and um, these guys have proven over and over and over again that 
they'll compete for the football when I throw it up to them. Just like I, I said, I say I'm going to uh, in training camp. I say I'm going to give these guys chances, you know. And I, I think we've proven that I'm going to give them chances, you know. Uh, you know, and the the thing that they they get the most credit for is is either they come down with it or nobody does, you know. And that's the thing for me, you know. If you want to play football that way, <laughs> if you want, if Henry wants me to keep throwing it up to him, you know, and he, he knows it's either him or nobody. And he continues to do that. Brian continues to do that. Um, Waller obviously continues to do that. Um, but uh, for those for those two young receivers, um, you know, like we said, I said I'm going to give them chances to make Sports Center. It's just on them if they want to or not, you know. And uh, obviously, there's a lot that I have to put it in the right place and all that kind of stuff. But I, meaning that I, I trust them, you know, and they they've proven it in the games. Practice is one thing. I've had a lot of guys that can do it in practice, and you get to the games and. It's hard to cut that ball loose after the third time of it not working, you know, because um, I have decisions to make for everybody, you know, in the whole organization. Every decision I make matters. And so um, they've proven over and over again that they'll make those plays. So there you heard from Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Raiders, and uh, talking about the, the level of trust that he has and the confidence that he has now in the young receivers. And when you look back at the career of Derek Carr, going all the way back to when he was um, here with uh, – Streeter, okay, you remember him? Uh, he was a guy who he had good chemistry with in his rookie year. Uh, then beyond that, it was Michael Crabtree. He was his go-to guy. He had a really good chemistry with him. Then then after um, Crabtree, it was Jared Cook, a guy who he felt comfortable getting the ball to. Then it was Waller. And now you're starting to see that same chemistry develop with Henry Ruggs. And it's just always been about trust with Carr. And, and rightfully so. you got to be able to trust these guys if you're going to put the ball out there that they're going to come down with it. Like Carr said, it's either you or it's nobody, and we're starting to see that uh, come to fruition here with Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs. Um, now I want to I want you to listen to uh, what Henry Ruggs had to say, his side of things about uh, he and Derek Carr and their relationship. Uh, like I said, like I always say, it's just a testament to our hard work. I mean, we started in the summer, and I mean, just starting from from where we started last year, we know we had to make improvements. And that was that was just what we set our mind to. So, <clears throat> I mean, day in, day out, you know, just talking to him, understanding, you know, how he how he sees things, how he thinks, sitting in the film room with him, and just you know, developing that camaraderie on and off the field, and it makes everything better. So, I mean, we trust him, he trusts us. So, we just got to go make plays for him and make him look good. So there you go, Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr. Sounds like a bromance beginning here, right? Uh, and I failed to mention Hunter Renfro as well as a, a, another receiver who obviously has, has great rapport with Derek Carr as well, uh, along with some of the other guys I mentioned. But it is time for me to get to a break. And when I return, we're going to start to take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. We need to go over the injury report, of course. And we will be joined by our guest this week, NFL insider Adam Kaplan. Still a lot to do on the show this week. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. This is Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Day Podcast Network. You're listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Let's go! And now back to your host, Evan Grote. sideline was just so it was like it wasn't no anxiety you know what I'm saying <laughs> like it was weird it was like 
it was like everybody was calm. You ain't have somebody cussing at you, or going crazy at the refs. You know what I'm saying? None of that. It was just like, okay, something bad happened. He was like, okay, I'm not harping on you. He was like, all right, next play, next play. And I feel like the guys, we all kind of motivated each other. A lot of you see a lot of defensive guys of standing up office guys jumping off the bench when the defense making plays and stuff. And I was like, that's the right type of energy that we needed. Um, so, I mean, I, I loved it. And welcome back to Just Pod Baby segment number two. And there you heard the voice of Josh Jacobs. And you tell me, was he throwing some shade at John Gruden? Less anxiety on the sideline? Not getting cussed out? Not hearing anybody swearing at the referees? I don't know. I think that was that might have been a subtle jab at the now former head coach, John Gruden. You you tell me. I'll leave that up to you guys, but I wanted to share that with you uh, because I heard that on Wednesday, and it got me thinking. Did he throw him under the bus a little bit there? You let me know. DM me. Tell me what you think. Okay, let's get into the Philadelphia Eagles now briefly. We will discuss them a little bit uh, in more detail with, with Adam Kaplan when he joins us. Uh, but I was watching the Tampa Bay game. Uh, this week, as well as the Carolina game from Week 5. I watched both of those games this week just to kind of get a little bit of an idea of the Eagles. And and it's clear to me, uh, offensively, it is all about Jalen Hurts. Um, It it all goes through him. And, you know, he he is effective as a runner. Um, He does have the five rushing touchdowns. uh, So he is a threat in the red zone, and he will take off and run. Um, he's not he's not shy about running averages nine attempts a game 50 yards a game rushing and interestingly enough um, he leads their team in rushing and, and they have a pretty good back there in Miles Sanders but he is not getting the ball and, and that is one of the things that I will ask Adam Kaplan about is is why uh, what's going on with Sanders why is he not more involved uh, in the offense right now but uh, back to Hertz he is responsible for uh, for 1,780 yards of total offense. Now that um, uh, they only have 2,076 total yards, so he he generates a lot of offense for them, and they are asking him to do a lot right now. Now the offensive line uh, has been without Lane Johnson for the past three weeks, but he did return to uh, the team this week. Um, he probably will play. He has been practicing uh, this week, and I'm not sure if you guys heard, but he uh, left the team three weeks ago uh, because he had to deal with some personal issues he was having related to his mental health and, you know, maybe some depression, uh, things of that nature. So um, uh, glad to see him back. Glad to see him hopefully in a, in a better state of mind. Um, I do expect him to play this week um, as he is now back with a team. And They did lose two of those three games that he was gone. So he is a big part of that offensive line. Uh, it's also worth noting that the Eagles did trade they're starting tight end Zach Ertz last week to the Cardinals after their Thursday night football game, and Ertz did score in that game. Uh, they still have Dallas Goddard, uh, but he was but he's been on the COVID list for the past ten days. He was taken off the list on Thursday, but he did not practice. Uh, a little bit more on that when I get to the injury report. Uh, they have a group of wide receivers, fairly young group here. You know they've used first round picks uh, in the last couple of years. Jalen Rager was was a you know the speedster. They they drafted him in the first round. I believe that was two years ago, uh, 2020. And then they used uh, the first-round pick on Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama, this past season, 2021. And he's been their top target, 27 receptions for 44 on 44 targets, 345 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, he'll probably be uh, seeing a lot of Casey Hayward, um, who's been doing a nice job in coverage this season. But the offense... Um, 
as I said, it starts and ends with Jalen Hurts. So they should expect to see a lot of him, a lot of that read pass, uh, uh, run pass option, RPO, excuse me, couldn't get that out there. Uh, a lot of that similar stuff that they saw when they played Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Now I know Jackson did have 86 yards in that game on 12 attempts, but uh, Hurts is, is definitely not... Uh, Lamar Jackson. So I, I think they, they should be okay to handle that. They got a lot of speed in that defense, so they should be able to handle him uh, no problem. Uh, defensively, they had a very they have a very good front four, the Eagles. Uh, Javon Hargrave right now, he he's a monster, playing really well for them. He really, he's been getting after it, uh, been dominating at times. Six sacks, Fletcher Cox, he's been one of the best tackles, you know, for a long time. Uh, so he, he, you know, he can get it done still. Um, and then in the secondary, they've got Darius Slay, you know, who was brought over in, in a trade uh, a couple seasons ago from Detroit, and he can still get it done at a high level. He's got two interceptions this year. Uh, but, it, you know, if you're looking for an area uh, to attack this Eagles defense, it's going to be on the ground. Uh, much like the Raiders, they, they have uh, been, you know, giving up some rushing yards. They rank 28th against the run right now, giving up 135 yards a game. So giddy up Josh Jack, J- Josh Jacobs, right? Uh, it's time to bust out, my friend. So why not get it done uh, this week? Uh, before we bring in our guests, l- let's take a quick look. I want to get to the injury report, the Thursday report. And, you know, really, it's uh, pretty unremarkable. Not much to, to report for you this week. Um, we'll start with the Eagles. And I told you about Dale Goddard uh, a few minutes ago, who was activated off the COVID list on Thursday but he did miss practice. He's listed with an illness. Um, but I did see that it was reported that he was working on the side. So it, it's very likely that maybe they're just um, trying to slowly ramp him back up uh, after being off for 10 days. Um, so we'll just have to keep an eye on that. Um, other than him, everyone else that's listed on the report for them, which is only a few guys, uh, they all practice, got a full practice in. So um, and it's pretty similar with the Raiders. Um, they've got a lot of guys listed on the report, but um, all of them got a full practice in, with the exception of the only player that I have a little bit of concern with at this point, and that's Quentin Jefferson, who missed both Wednesday and Thursday's practice, and it's listed as a personal. So he, you know, I'm not quite sure what the situation is there. Hopefully they will get him uh, back to practice uh, on Friday, but if not, I would say as long as it's not injury-related, if it's only a personal matter, then he could still play Sunday even without getting a practice in. So that is your very brief um, uh, Thursday injury report. And now what I want to do is I want to go out to the phone line and welcome in our guest, NFL insider Adam Kaplan. Adam can be heard on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. He's also the host of his own podcast, Inside the Birds, a Philadelphia Eagles podcast. So I thought he would be a great person to speak to this week for us as we, uh, as the Raiders are gearing up for a matchup with the Eagles. Adam, I appreciate you giving us some of your time this evening. Really looking forward to the conversation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby. Yeah, good to be with you, yeah, and you could also hear me on NFL Radio as well. Talking about your Raiders, we've uh, certainly uh, seen a lot of good from the Raiders this season, other than obviously the big story about John Gruden, but uh, it's been a nice story for, for them, what happened last week, to rebound after that situation and to be 4-2 and two and right in the thick things of the first place in the AFC West. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. You, you mentioned it. The Raiders, they dealt with a ton of adversity a week ago with, with, with the fallout of the resignation of John Gruden, but you got to give credit to Rich Basaccia and his coaching staff. They had that team ready and focused. They, they played a very good game at Denver, and, and they responded well uh, in, a, in a very big way. What was your reaction to the performance in Week 6 uh, from the Raiders? Yeah, Raiders sure said to me that 
it's probably just a good thing that they were able to bond on the road. This is prior to the game, um, based on you know everything that happened in the volatility situation, just to get away and sort of bond together. And you know, it really did help that it was a divisional foe uh, against the Broncos, who they know very well. And I said to in a couple of interviews last week, watch the first five to seven minutes. You'll know if they're going to be in this game, and they sure were. And they dominated. I mean, they dominated. Look, this is this Raider team is good. It's a good football team. They defensively, they're way better uh, with Gus Bradley's scheme. Uh, Mayock did a good job in free agency in terms of adding talent on defensive line and also in the secondary. Uh, you start to see some of the draft picks uh, perform, but some of the veterans that they signed in the past. Like Littleton, who really didn't contribute last year, is really contributing now. So it's good to see. And they're, they're very competitive on both sides of the football. Obviously, with Passaccia covering special teams, you know they're always going to be there. So this this team is certainly uh, right now uh, competing high for a playoff spot. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know we're a long ways away from the Raiders having to uh, name a permanent head coach, but we did yeah. hear that Mark Davis will have a, a group of advisors that's that's going to help him make that decision on a coach as well as the future of general manager Mike Mayock when that time comes. Uh, but there's a lot of good offensive minds who are out there right now that are probably going to be you know attractive candidates. Um, we've heard some of those names already kicked around, the, the likes of Kellen Moore in, in Dallas, Eric Bieniemy, of course, in Kansas yep. City, Brian Dable is a guy who went on a lot of head coaching interviews last year from Buffalo, all who should be you know head coaches at, at some point in the near future. But is it too early to discount Rich Basaccia as a possible uh, candidate to get that job long-term for the Raiders? No, it just depends on what, how old the team finishes. Uh, you know, do they rally? Does he have them prepared? Obviously, for the first week, they were super prepared. You know, you can't have a letdown against the Eagles, who are not a very good football team. I know it's not a divisional game, but this is not Major League Baseball. Every game counts. Uh, they mean way more in, in football than they do in baseball. So they, he's got to get these guys ready every week. And, we, and you know, talking to people who know him, who've known him for years, he, he's always wanted to be a head coach. And now he's and it's on inter, interim tag. But look, if Rich does well, at the very least, he'll get an interview for the job with Mark Davis, and then they'll they'll go from there. And obviously, Mike's uh, you know Mayock's performance, uh, you know the rest of the way in terms of keeping everything together, um, making sure the roster is, is is solid. And look, if they make the playoffs, there's a very good chance Mike will be back. NFL insider Adam Kaplan is our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. Adam, let's let's shift gears over to the Eagles a bit now. Uh, they were one of the teams who uh, hired a first-year head coach. Um, Nick Sirianni is their guy. He came over from the, the Colts after being their OC for three years. W- what's been your early assessment and takeaways uh, f- for the first-time head coach in Philly? Yeah, I would I would say mixed. I would say that they played very hard for him. That, that's a good thing. But he's coaching like a guy who's called place the first time in his career. Uh, he's just I think he's kind of swimming upstream. He's kind of trying to figure it out trying to get a feel for the, 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 the players. Uh, I think that's been a struggle. The offense has been more down than up, and that's why they have a 2-4 and four record. Their defense has been wildly inconsistent. Um, some really good games, some games like, like, they'd like to forget. They were competitive at times against Tampa, but the first two drives of the game did them in. They were not competitive on those first two drives. They just let Brady and, and, and his teammates just drive up the field, and Brady just executed, and they, they didn't stop anything. So, by the time they got back in the game, it was kind of too late. So, you know, Philly's a, a team, though, that has got some upside. You saw the best of them in week one. It's the only complete game that they've played was week one. All three phases, special teams, offense, and defense, played well together. Uh, since then, they've they've been disappointing. 
and they've earned that two and four record. Uh, they're certainly not going to make the playoffs. The question is, can they steal a game where there will be Eagle fans in in Allegiant Stadium? You could you could bet on that. I know there are a lot of transplants are out west, particularly in Las Vegas area. I know fans of Philly are going to fly in. Obviously, most of them most of the stadium will be Raider fans, but you'll see a couple thousand Eagle fans there at the game. Yeah, and I'm curious. I'm curious about what's going on with the run game with, with Miles Sanders. Um, you know, he, yeah. he he's just not getting the touches from what I could see here. He's currently Crazy. averaging only yeah. nine and a half rushing attempts per game. Is this a product of of game flow and, and playing from behind constantly, or more no. so no. of an offensive line that is just, just struggling to open up holes? No, neither. It, the, the, the Eagles for for running backs, they're ranked thirty second in in rushing attempts per running backs for that position, and they're 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 a there's no one who's close to them. They're they're 32nd. The 31st team uh, has got to make something up there. They, so, look, it, it's weird. Yeah, no, it's not because they've been behind in games. No, it's it's been quite the contrary. They've just they come out throwing, and the offense is really unstructured. It, there's no rhythm to it. And the thing is, with Jalen Hurts being very inconsistent, you would think they would come out and try to get Sanders mixed in. You don't need to throw the ball. You don't need to run the ball a lot in the National Football League. I get it. And and most teams are going to run the ball maybe 43% of the time, but th- this is crazy in the first half. And Miles Sanders had one carry in the first half of last week's game. I mean, he his first half carries are extremely low, and he got he got almost all his carries in the fourth quarter last week when they were way behind. It's just it's weird. It's been very odd, and I can't quite figure out. I don't think anyone uh, with the Eagles would tell you that they have any, any understanding of why or anyone who observes the team from uh, around the league why Sanders, who's a dynamic running back, is not getting the football. I don't have an answer, and I don't think the Eagles do as well. Yeah, and he's averaging 4.7 yards per carry, so it it is a little bit... Uh, you know, confusing, but you know, one of the other you, you mentioned uh, Jalen Hurts there. That's that's going to be one of the other big decisions that this coaching staff has to make uh, here is with the quarterback. I mean, he was not drafted by this current coaching staff. You know, is he going to be the long term guy there? Uh, they're giving him a good look right now. And I, I was studying, I was watching the the game from last week against the Bucks, and I was uh, also watched the game in Carolina. It, it seems to me that they they're asking him to do a lot right now. It it all goes through him between the rushing attempts and and then. Delivering Delivering the ball to the receivers, it's almost like, you know, they're expecting him to be uh, as dynamic as Lamar Jackson, and I just don't know if he's that guy. Uh, so I'm curious to get your opinion on that. Yeah, no, he's just a guy that let, let, Jalen Hurts was a guy that the, the the belief around the league was he would either go in the third or fourth round. I know some teams had third round grades, some had fourth round grades. The Eagles had a lower grade than a second round, but because they liked him, the GM Harry Roseman traded up to get him, and. Look, they when they drafted him, the, the crazy thought was, number one, they never thought he'd be their starting quarterback. They had, they had extended Carson Wentz's deal just about nine months before that in June of the previous year, in June of 19. Uh, you know, Ten months later, actually, they drafted Jalen Hurts, and he was supposed to be their backup. They wanted to invest in, in, the, in terms of draft capital, not cash, the backup quarterback position, and then... As we know, once got traded, he was disgruntled. He wanted out. The Eagles accommodated him, took a lot of dead money on their cap. And Joe Flacco's the backup, and away we go. Hurts, uh, you know, he started 10 games. Uh, has had one game where he was lights out pretty much against Arizona last year. Uh, that week one, he was really accurate, really good, but they didn't ask him to do very much. They just got the ball out of his hands quickly to get him accurate. Uh, the, the Chiefs game, he played well, but the other games this season, he's not played well. And um, you're right. They're gonna they're gonna do a full evaluation this season. He's gonna have to play extremely well to to come back to the starter next season. 
know, one of the key matchups uh, that I, I think in this game will be the Raiders' interior offensive line against the defensive tackles of the Eagles. The Raiders' center, Andre James, he has struggled this season. Alex Leatherwood was drafted to play tackle. They bumped him inside to right guard, and <clears throat> they've got a second-year player, John Simpson, at left guard. They're going to have their hands full this week with Javon Hargrave, who's been playing like a stud for the Eagles this year. And, of course, we all know yeah. Fletcher Cox. He's been around for a while. And I'm going to throw in the edge rushers as well, Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett uh, for the Eagles. But how important is that front four for this Eagles defense? Yeah, it's very good. Now, when you look at Hargrave, number one interior pass rusher in the National Football League in terms of pressures and sacks, he's been amazing. He really is. Uh, he signed a significant contract over $11 million a year, and people were kind of thought that was nuts, but he's, he's lived up to it. He's been great. He was actually good last year. Uh, you know, Fletcher Cox, they're running a new defense. They're not running the Jim Schwartz wide 9 anymore. In fact, they're running some 34. They'll, they'll run at 34 front probably over a third of the time. And that's why Josh Sweat's numbers aren't good, because they're playing him at the four-eye position, which is really inside the shoulder of the tackle. And that, what he's doing, he's basically just funneling the run inside and crashing down. And he's just not being used as a pass rusher as, he, as he's been before. So his numbers are down. You know, Ryan Kerrigan's there as a sub-package rusher. He's really done nothing. It, I just don't know if the scheme fits the players that they have. And that'll be a decision Jonathan Gannon's going to have to make in the offseason, how he's going to adjust. But right now... Uh, yeah, look, the, the Eagles' pressure was terrific in week one against Atlanta, great against Carolina, good against San Francisco. Um, they had a couple spurts against Brady, but overall not good enough. Uh, it's, been, it's been more good than bad. Uh, their secondary's been good. Their linebackers have been atrocious. The linebackers, they don't really have the right linebackers to play this scheme, so that's something they're going to have to address next season. So I do believe, and the Eagles are one of the worst teams against the run, Josh Jacobs should have a pretty good game here. The Eagles run more of a bend that don't break game, so Josh Jacobs should have plenty of work here. Uh, then also, I, I'd like to see if on the Raiders test the Eagles linebackers in the pass game. Uh, they're, they, they have some athletes, but they're not the most instinctive bunch. So I'd like to see, and I know that I know Gruden would call Jalen Rashard's number very much unless they were behind. But Jalen Rashard's a guy that I think could do well in this game if um, if uh, all he's willing to call his name because Rashard is a mismatch and he's never really been used correctly by Gruden in the offense, unfortunately. Yeah, you're right about that. This is a game where you could see both of these uh, rushing offenses maybe get going here. The Raiders rank 25th against the run, and uh, the Eagles are currently 28th against the run. Both teams giving up over 130 yards uh, per game. Uh, all right, if you don't already follow him now, go out and do so. Uh, that is at Kaplan NFL. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for your time. Uh, keep up the great work. You got it, my friend. Thank you. All right, that was Adam Kaplan. I really do like talking with him. He's he's really connected across the league, and I listen to him on, on SiriusXM radio uh, all the time, and he knows exactly what's going on in the league. And, he, you know, he is based out of Philadelphia, so he, he does follow the Eagles uh, a little closer than he does some of the other teams. He is the host of Inside the Birds podcast three days a week, so uh, big thanks to him for joining us. Uh, did you hear what he said about attacking the Eagles linebackers in coverage? Um, so, you know, based on that... Um, you know, he talked about Jalen Richard as as being the guy. I'm thinking maybe it'll be more of Kenyon Drake. It could be another uh, big game for him. It seems like Greg Olson is more inclined to get him involved in the offense, and and maybe it's a Darren Waller game as well. You know, he's been relatively quiet the last four games. He hasn't topped over 65 yards since week two. I mean, that's 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 just um, we haven't seen that <laughs> in in the three years that Darren Waller's been with the team. 
And, you know, the good news is they're still winning games despite his uh, production being a little bit more limited. Uh, but keep an eye on him and, and, and know how the Eagles are able to cover the middle of the field and, and those running backs uh, coming out of the backfield in space. And, you know, guys, there is one last thing I want to get to before I get out of here. Um, I was seeing some reports, you know, as I was recording here, uh, popping up on my phone. And I was getting some some text messages from our, our good buddy, Scott Gilbranson, um, who was who was sending me some information about um, some reports that the U.S. House of Representatives, the Oversight Committee, is now looking into the NFL's, uh, you know, the Gruden email scandal and the investigation into the Washington football team, um, requesting... Roger Goodell Thursday evening that, um, you know, more information on the whole investigation. Um, uh, there's more information over at cbssports.com. Uh, the Oversight Committee is asking the NFL to produce all the documents, communications, and reports or findings in connection with the Washington football team investigation by November 4th. And there's a quote here. Uh, we hope and trust the NFL shares the committee's goal of protecting uh, American workers from harassment and discrimination. And uh, so that that's a big story. That is a big story. And I'm glad. I am very glad to hear it because, you know, I talked about it last week. Um, you know, I don't condone the things that Gruden was saying. Um, but I think another one of the big problems here is the cover-up that the NFL, um, that I believe the NFL was doing. And I think many people out there believe that that was the case as well. It's like, if you feel so strong about you know, your cause, that's fine. I'm for that. But let's not just throw one guy under the bus and and, and cover up the rest of the, the bad things that are being put out there from your league because you don't want to lose money. That's, that's, that's hypocrisy right there. So hopefully something comes from this and this could be a very big story in the NFL here. So stay tuned on that. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Raiders are on the bye, but I will be here for you next week to recap Sunday's game. Uh, I look forward to it. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Until the next time, and for our guest, Adam Kaplan, I am your host, Evan Grote. Take care, everyone, and as always, just win, baby.